I want to go ahead and encourage us from the Word of God for a little bit this morning. How many is ready to receive something this morning from the Lord? Anybody in here? Okay. Because how many of you know in church it's not just about the person speaking? It's about also the person listening. It's all about both of us connecting. It's about what God does in and through us. And so this this year, this starting off this year, right, we got to get in focus. How many of you ever, you've been on a task and you've been on a mission to get something done and you'll start out somewhere and before you know it, you'll end up somewhere completely different, focused on something completely different where you're like, I started here and then all of a sudden I ended up over here. That can happen in our lives more than we recognize. Like I, I used the example last week when I, I started cleaning out my garage and next thing you know, I ended up at Walmart buying more stuff. So I don't even know, I don't even know what happened. You know, like I gotta get this and I gotta get this. Like, it can happen if you're not careful. Staying focused is a vital part of how we do this. As a matter of fact, not just focused on anything, we've got to focus on the right thing. And this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18. It says, where there's no vision, there's no focus. I don't understand. I don't see where there's no vision. The people are unrestrained. Or they, another version says they cast off restraint. They throw things away. It's like, well, I don't know. What, I don't got anything or anywhere to be, so I can do anything. And so they cast off restraint. It says, but happy is who keeps the law. And a better version that I like of that, the message says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. In other words, if I don't have a phone, Lord, what are you saying for me personally? What are you saying to me as a family? What are you saying to me as a church family? It can happen in business, whatever it is. If, if they don't understand and they can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. But look what it says. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So our goal is not just coming up with vision. We're pursuing God's vision. And God has a very unique, powerful vision that he's had from the beginning. Uh, matter of fact, we can't just aim at anything. Like I said a moment ago, we have to aim at the right thing. Everybody look at your neighbor and said, aim at the right thing. And by the way, that neighbor next to you, that ain't the right thing. <laughs> Many times we, we aim all our comments, we aim all our emotions. We, we got to aim it. Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? And so we got to aim at the right thing. And God's vision really from the beginning is consisted of four things, four simple things, how they play out is different, but there's four things. God has always wanted lost people saved. Like church, God gets distracted by lost things as well. Like when his children are lost, he gets very distracted. The same thing that you, if you had a child missing, you would not go, well, let's say you had like, I've got two children. Let's say one of them gets lost. Well, I got one more. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. You would never do that. You would stop everything you could until you found that. I've shared this story before and I'll share it again. Years ago when this awesome man of God you see here worshiping and preaching, Mark Anthony, our, our executive pastor, was only about five. He wasn't this way. You know, he's over here. He's kind of more like this way. Cute as he could be. And uh, we went to Walmart, and just for training purposes, um, let them play in the toy section so they see what they really like. How many parents end up with a lot of toys that kids never play with? 
And they just buy some more. Let's get some more. Maybe they'll like that. Well, we would, we would go and let them play with stuff. And then when they played with it for more than a couple minutes, you're like, oh, birthday, Christmas, or just reward, whatever it is. We just love them. And so we would do that. And then also the second part was for training purposes. How many of you know that there's a reason grocery stores and all these department stores, they put the candy right at the checkout counter? There's a reason. It's not for you. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but it's for your kids. Because <laughs> they know once you get in there and your kid's like, Mama! you know, they know there's going to be this mass ah, I want. And so we'd go for training purposes and say, hey, just because we got to buy stuff doesn't mean we got to buy you something. That this is a reward just because they happen to put it there doesn't mean I owe that to you. They they thought they was out marketing and outsmarting me. And so we said no. So one day we were there on I was there with my son on a on a mission. Really didn't have a much to buy. It was to go do our training mission. So we go and we're at the in, in the back in the playing and Mark's got these Lincoln logs and he's having fun and I mean now granted he's always been a focused young man and he would lock into something. And I mean, he would lock in. So he's playing, having a great time. And we ended up, uh, it was there for a few minutes, and a friend of mine came up, and we start talking. Imagine that. And so we're sitting here talking, and uh, and and all of a sudden, it gets time to go. And I'm like, okay. You know, hey, son, let's go. We got to go. It's time to go. And he'd already been trained well enough. I knew he was just going, okay, let's go. Daddy said, go, let's go. So I, I go to walk off with this friend talking. And I, I'm just naturally thinking, you know, he's going to be right up here, right by daddy's leg. Okay, let's go. And I just go back, hey. So as I get about two aisles over, I recognize he's not there. And I look back and I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't alarmed. I'm like, okay, he's locked in on the toy. He didn't hear daddy. You know, none of y'all have ever done that where you get locked into something you don't hear nobody else. Like, for the men, there's never been any sporting events on where your wife says something. You're like, huh? What? But so he's locked in. And so I, I get a couple hours over, and I'm like, hey. So I walk back. And I'm thinking, I'll just go back and say, hey, you know, son, let's go. Only I go back, and I look where the toys are, and he's not there. He, he's not there. Now, I did not at that moment say, oh, well, he'll find me later. He'll find me. Or I didn't go and say, well, I always got Megan. It's okay. I got my girl. <laughs> Would never. I literally panicked. My heart started beating out of my chest. And I literally wanted to scream at the top of my lungs, lock the doors now. I mean, I'm going to shut this place down. My son is missing. And the guy standing next to me is like, what? What? I said, my son's missing. He goes, what you want me to do? <laughs> just stand there while I, while I run. So I said, go look, go look, just go down an aisle. So I get, you know, I'm thinking, hey, he went down this aisle. Maybe we missed him going that way. So then I run that way. Nope, he's not. So I run this way and I come a couple aisles down and hear this little cute little booger's coming walking down the aisle and he's just going. <laughs> and he's not even looking up. He's got his head down. He's just crying. And I get to the end of the aisle and I watch him and he's, he's almost to the end. And I want to tell you, my first reaction was, <gasps> now my second reaction was, no, 
No, my first reaction, I never, I didn't get mad. I didn't yell at him. My first reaction was, my heart was broken, and I went up to him, and I didn't yell this time. Um, I just, I said, son, and he looked up at me, and he went, and he ran, and he flung me, flung his arms around me, and he just started crying, and he said these words. He said, daddy, I couldn't find you. I couldn't find you, daddy. I want to tell you something. God is distracted by lost people. There are people right now that are wandering into all kind of things. And daddy's in heaven going, I'm very distracted by those that aren't. See, they're going in their own thing. It's like, daddy, I couldn't find you. And when they find and connect with him, it changes everything in a person's life. So God's vision, there's four simple things. First is he wants us to connect with him. The second thing is he wants saved people pastored. And by the way, lost just means far away from God. Like they're wandering. They're far away. It's like like my son was very far away from me at that point. Even though location-wise he wasn't, he was very far. As far as I was concerned, he was out the door. Somebody had him and he was in a car somewhere headed for 95. It was my understanding. But I'm telling you, God is very distracted. He wants us that. Second, he wants, once we get to know him, he wants us to be Shepherd, pastor, taken on a journey to simply lead and feed. My, my responsibility as pastor simply to lead and feed. I'm not, I'm, I'm not the one. I'm just to direct you to the one and help you to find that. Number three is pastored people train. And then finally, train people mobilize. That it's not just, I don't just sit here, but I have a mission as well. God wants to use you to impact people's lives. And so it's found all the way through Scripture this morning. We're just going to go real quick in Exodus to see where God's people were lost in Egypt. They'd gotten there through Joseph and through the Pharaoh's generosity. Joseph's faithfulness to the Lord keeps them from starving to death. And instead, they were never meant to stay there. They were meant to move on to the promised land. But they got comfortable where they were. Anybody ever done that before? You get comfortable where you are and you go, well, I was headed somewhere, but I think I'll just stay right here. And I believe that God wants to help move us through it. So this is what he's told Moses at the burning bush. He said, therefore, says that, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I want to restore you. I want to get you out of there. You don't belong there. That's not what you were created for. Then he goes on to say again, I will free you. From being slaves to them. In other words, you no longer have to obey what they want. Anybody had something in your life where it begins to try to take over your thought process, your your actions, your money? It begins to really grab you and, and you gravitate towards it. You, you can't stop thinking about it. It gets you. Well, the Lord knew that. And the children of Israel, they got locked in. It says, I will free you from being slaves to them. He goes on to say, and I will redeem you. Man, that's a powerful word. I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm. Who's going to do it? God said I will. With an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Nothing we did, something he did. This is all his plan, not ours. They were still locked in making sleeves. It was all his idea. And then he goes on again and it says, And I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So in that vision, there's four simple things right here that we see. Real quickly, there's a cup. This is what the, the, when we do a Seder meal, this, you know, the, 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 the Passover meal, it had four cups. The first cup they would drink, and actually, I don't think it was actually where they drank the whole cup. 
because you would get to a cup of praise a little bit quicker than that. I think it's take a sip and cheers, sanctification, cheers, deliverance. I don't think it was that way. I think it was they would they would say they had four cups that they drank from. The first one is sanctification, and that is where we get renewed. To, we, we get to understand. I get sanctified. I get set free to understand. I connect with you, God. And not just know about you, I get to know you and you get to know me. It's relational, not religious, relational. The second one is a cup of deliverance. And I know when most people think of deliverance, <laughs> banjo music and other crazy stuff. We, we think of all kind of crazy stuff. When we think of deliverance, it's like, ah, you know, scary. It's not quite as bad as that. Deliverance literally is to be taken out, to be set apart, to taken away from those things that had held you captive to set you now to where, hey, I can see clearly now. The bondage is gone. There, there's many things. And then the cup of redemption, this word of redeem, it means I get restored back to the whole purpose of why I was created. It's like I, I, I understand that, man, I'm not made to live this way. I'm made to live this way. And it's not me. It's his life in me. And so we get redeemed. And then the, the fourth cup is the cup of praise where, I get to, it's a celebration. Like, Lord, thank you. I get to, you're using me just the way you created me. So those four cups, they're seen all the way through in many other places. Here's what we've locked in here, and I pray this every day for this church. It's in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. This is in the message. It says, I ask, I ask the God of, of our master, Jesus Christ. I'm praying to the, our heavenly father that God, the God of glory, to make you, to make me, to make us intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Not knowing about him, but knowing him where you experience the life giving pre- his presence, his nature, his spirit. I get a nature I don't deserve according to Second Peter 1. He gives me, he changes my corruptible nature into his incorruptible nature. Where I get the challenge, I get this, like, ooh, I get to know you. It's not because of what I've done, it's because of what you've done. He draws and welcomes me in. The second part of that, so your eyes, fo- your eyes focused and clear. How many know it's, it's hard? I, I, I wear these and when I take them off, y'all look like trees to me, but, um, but if they can get foggy sometimes, cause I'll get busy doing stuff and you touch them, anyway, he's got glasses, know what I'm talking about, and you go, hold it, and, and before you know, you're like, people are like, oh, what? We've got to clear, get our, our, our eyes clear, and really that many times it's because of our past. We, many times we can't see the future because of what we've done in the past, and our past continually always before us, and God says, I don't want that. I'm taking you out of that, and I'm taking that out of you, and so that's the second part of that, so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do, like, I've got something to do. You've got something to do. And then it goes on to grasp this so that we can grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for us. So God's got great things in store and he wants to use you to make that happen in other people's lives as well. And so we've adopted these four things, um, real simple, make them as clear as they can be. The first is know God, like not know about God, like people they want to know I'm right. I want to know. I want to connect with God. I don't want to just know about him. It's like having, tell, I, I shared last week, it's like having a nice brand new Camaro sitting out front. And you go, they tell you all about it. You go, I, I, I want to drive it. I don't want to just know about it. 
I want to get in. I want to feel the edge. I want I want to take it for a drive. God, the same way, he's not wanting you just to know about it. He wants you to feel like, woo, yeah, okay, that's what forgiveness feels like. That's what redemption feels That's what sanctification, redemption, man, delivers redemption. Man, that's what the praise, that's what it feels like. He wants us to experience that. And so when we looked at that last week, know God, and you can go on the website if you want to and look at that message, but I thought I would nail it, nail it down to John 5, 24 in the um, contemporary English version. It says this, I tell you for certain that anyone who hears my message and has faith, Jesus is talking here, and has faith in the one who sent me will have, hopes to have, maybe, it says, who sent me has eternal life and will never and will never be condemned. What? You mean, if I, I just trust Jesus? I put my trust. Will never be condemned. If I put my trust in what he says, the one, our heavenly father who sent his only son, if I do that, I have eternal life now. It's not something that begins when I die. I'm already experiencing, I get to walk in it. And it goes on to say, and will never be condemned. They have already gone from death to life. Like, the life of Christ has already come alive in me. I'm like, whoo, I get to experience that now, not when I die. I mean, let's be honest. I need it now when I'm going through stuff, not when it's already over. Praise the Lord. That's why you need to praise people all you can, not after, you know, you don't have to show up at a funeral and hear good things. You need to tell people good things about themselves now. <laughs> don't wait. Don't hold it. <laughs> tell them, man, I love you. You do such a great job. Amen. So the second part of this is, Find freedom. And that's what we want to look at real quickly this morning. This thing of finding freedom. Look, this is a, this is a big one. Um, and, and, and the reason this is big is because we need to be able to find, to, to settle yesterday's failures. You know why? Because we all, what do we all have? We, we all have issues. <laughs> You can read that with me. We all have issues. <laughs> we all have them. And if you don't think you'll do, if you don't think you do, that's your issue, just so you know. <laughs> if you think I ain't got issues, I man, they got issues. I'm like, I got them. You got them. We all got them. And the way we, we handle those is we find freedom in small groups. That's where we find it at. Is in small groups. When we join together, when we connect together, like we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to each other for healing. It's, it's where we settle yesterday, where we look across the table at each other. It, and by the way, it, it can be started in this setting, but it can't be completed in this setting. Like it can start here when you hear a message and something stir your heart. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's walked out. When you sit across the table and you look at somebody and you share your struggles and you say, hey, man, I'm really struggling in this area. And you walk through them and say, hey, you you know what? I've struggled in that area, too. You know what? Let me show you how God's helped me. Let me let me help you with that instead of saying, oh, well, oh, you struggle with that. Oh, my goodness. That's what the church has become. If we're not careful, we'll just look at other people like they got problems like we don't. And, and that's never, I've said it over and over and I'll continue to say it. Church 
is not a place where we come and display our goodness. It's a place where we come and experience His goodness. So that we can go and display that to others out there that aren't here this morning. Praise the Lord. I liked it anyway. And you know what? This, this is what I, I love how in the, in the Bible that people struggle the same way. Like this morning, we're going to take a look at a, a, a man named Elijah, the, probably one of the greatest prophets of, of, of all. Matter of fact, Elijah, if you look through scripture, many of you may or may not know about him, but Elijah, was the one that brought the first person back from the dead that God used, like the widow's son, and he he brings him back to the dead the first time it ever happened. Elijah did that, and Elijah, um, he's the one that called fire down from heaven. Like, hey, y'all, y'all wanna y'all wanna have a showdown? You, you wanna have a showdown? Because Israel had gotten so much in bondage to idolatry, worshiping all kind of things, and they were all about all the people around them. And, and well, what are y'all doing? Well, we'll do it like that too. And what do y'all, well, we'll do it like that too. Okay, we'll do it like that too, instead of saying, no, look in this way. And they gotten so full of bondage and idolatry and worshiping other gods, especially Baal, who was supposedly the god over, over fertility and crops and, and birth and everything. And so Elijah had had enough. And, and here this, by the way, if you study it out, Elijah was a country boy. <laughs> he had to go to the big city. And show up there. He didn't know how to operate in their system. So this country boy comes riding in to the king Ahab. Who the Bible says was the wickedest king. He had turned away. And so as he does this. He goes in here. And he says hey. King Ahab. And, he, and this is Pastor Mark's paraphrase. Basically he said hey it ain't going to rain until I says it rain. It, it ain't raining until I say it rain. And he says you know. If some guy came in here and told you like. Okay you said that. Who cares. And they didn't think much of it until about probably the fourth month when their, when their crops were dying and, and they were real thirsty and they're going, hey, it ain't rain. Y'all know, cause usually in that country, it would, a month, it's not uncommon to go a month without rain there. It's not uncommon to go two months. But three, oh no, it's gotta rain. And then four, and by the time, you know, 36 months roll by, it hadn't rained. That's when the king starts, hey, go, go, go find that guy. And so Elijah, Use that to bring the children of Israel to a turning point to say, hey, let's go ahead and determine if God's God, let's serve him. If it's Baal, let's serve him. But let's don't, let's don't halt between these two opinions. And I believe it's God. So he challenged them to a showdown. If you haven't read your Bible, don't know that part. It's in 1 Kings 18. And so he challenged them. He shows up at Mark Car- Mount Carmel and he goes, not Carmel, not Caramel. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, oh, it's this mountain dripping with no. <laughs> ADHD, it comes out. Watch out. Uh, so, so you go, go to Mount Carmel and you, you're sitting there and he calls a showdown. And he says, Hey, let's, let's determine. Get the 400 prophets of Baal and it's just going to be me and my servant back here. And we're going to have a showdown. And the God that answers by fire, that's the true God. And so you know how the story goes. He goes and he calls them out there and I love it, man. He, he gets them all and man, they're dressed in their robes and, and it's really what the prophecy came Fourth this morning was like, they were dressed nice. They knew how to do dances and they knew how to do all these rituals. And, and, and it says in there, they started, you know, they did all these singing and they were calling out to Baal and he's not answering. And so they call out for a couple more hours and he's not answering. And they keep calling, he's not answering. And I love what Elijah, now this is where Elijah gets just a little bit cocky on him here. And he goes, 
At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. They've been there early in the morning. He said, he taught them and, and said, shout louder. <laughs> hey guys, I don't think it's working. Shout a little louder. He said, surely he's a God. Notice it says small g. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought. Or busy. Or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So what does it do? The, the scriptures go on to say they, they begin to cut themselves. They've been, hey, hey. <laughs> Nothing answered. Of course, you know the story. Now what Elijah did, and Elijah, I love what he did. He actually built an altar with the 12 stones from the 12 tribes of Israel. He puts the sacrifice on there. And then he goes, oh, y'all think Baal's the God of fertility and rain and all that. He goes, I tell you what, get me four giant water pots and pour over it. He, he dug a trench around the sacrifice, poured four. First he had it one time, pour four of them, them big, pour them all over it. And he said, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. do it again. Do it, do it one more time. So he poured it all over there. There's eight. And he said, hey, 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 do it one more time, just so you know. And he poured a th- third, 12 big, big water pots full of water over it. He calls down, and then the fire shows up. And it's glorious. He shows up. He answers the children of Israel. And then they slay the 450 prophets of Baal. Now, that's exciting. Many of us have had experiences in church where God touched us and went, Woo! Hallelujah! And it's been incredible, including me, where I've experienced some incredible moves inside and out. The thing that happened with Elijah that we want to go to this morning is a part of the story that's not really talked about as much because Elijah had some issues. Here's a man of God that just taunted them, had them killed, and the fire came down, and then just a day later, He shows up, and this is what it says in 1 Kings 19, 24, and it says, So Jezebel sent a messenger. First of all, her husband Ahab went. Jezebel, don't name Jezebel. Jezebel, um, who was the queen, she sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods, small g, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow... I do not make your life like the like that of one of them, the 400 prophets of Baal. If it's not like them, like you're going to be dead. I'm, I'm taking a bounty out on your head. Look what it said. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. What? What just happened? I mean, this man just called. I mean, why did, just do it again. Okay, go get him. How many of y'all be honest? You tried to call fire down on the people that were giving you a trouble, huh? Some of you, people give you a fit, like burn them, God. Get them. That's never God's intention. God didn't burn anybody. God burned a sacrifice. And God was after the people's hearts because it had turned so hard and far away from him. Look what it goes on to say in 1 Kings, that was 18, 24, I'm sorry, 19, 2 and 4 says this. It says, when he came to Beersheba, he, first he had to travel, he had to go away. He left, he ran for his life, and he left. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Look what he did. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough. 
Lord. Any of you have ever had that prayer? I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough. And I can't take any more. I've done all I can do. I've, I've tried. I've helped. I've, I've, I've done everything I can. I've tried to battle this thing. I've tried to help. Uh, I've tried to. I've done. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Look, we have to be careful. When we start judging people, when they're going through stuff, and they're having a struggle, and they admit their struggle, that we don't look at them and say, hey, you just need to have faith and believe God. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Just believe God. <laughs> I, I've been doing that. I actually call fire down. You ever call fire down? <laughs> you ever have that one? I've got that in my resume. You got that. I know what that power feels like. But I'm struggling right now. It's real. And it hurts. And this is one thing that we've got to be careful that the charismatic church has. It can't rob us of our appreciation of struggles that we all go through stuff. But this is where small groups, this is where we come together. Because God, God doesn't say, well, forget. Okay, you want to be dead? I'm going to call fire. I'm going to fire. I'm going to burn you. He didn't. Look what God did. He goes... And he takes him, he actually feeds him, and he goes 40 days and 40 nights into the wilderness, goes into the cave, the same, goes to the mountain where Moses had received the Ten Commandments, and he tells him, and the word of the Lord came to him when he showed up there. This is God speaking to him. Hey, what are you doing here? Man, what's going on, Elijah? Didn't you see me answer you back there? What are you doing here, Elijah? How did you get here? Elijah had a rehearsed speech like many of us have. Maybe you can relate to some of this. Look at what he said. He replied, I've been very zealous for you, Lord. But all, I've done all I can. He said, I've been very zealous for you, Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. I'm all by myself. And now they're trying to kill me too. I make light of it, but it's really very serious. Many times what happened is the enemy wants to isolate us. And if we can get locked into our own stuff, and stuff gets locked in us, because see, sitting in this room right now, you're the only one that knows everything about your past. I'm the only one that knows everything about my past, my failures, my successes, my shortcomings, every, I'm the only one that knows it. All of it. Don't, don't get me wrong, we share some stuff, but all of it. Elijah was the only one he knew it. So he's asking now, I've been jealous, I've tried to do this. And of course, how this thing plays out, <laughs> and, I, and I, I advise you, I don't know if you want to go through this, because what Elijah went through, God said, I tell you what, you just sit right here. I want to say something to you. <laughs> and he did through when. If you go, you can read it in First uh, Kings 18, 19. We're going to go through that. But he says, I got something for you, Elijah. Go stand out at the cleft of the rock. I, I'm going to come on through here. He comes by with a windstorm that splits rocks. <laughs> That's a powerful wind. I don't know if you know that or not. And then he comes by with an earthquake. I mean, rumbling, rattling. I mean, fierce power. Like I'm displaying who I am. And then he comes with fire. Like he just called fire down and he's fired and he doesn't get burned. And then it comes a still small voice. And he draws him out. 
And he begins to affirm him. And he begins to confirm him. And then he tells him to go back and anoint some people. And he says, hey, you're not alone. And this is what he says to Elijah. The Lord speaks to Elijah in, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verse 18. Look what, he, look what he tells him. He says, yet I've reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. In other words, he's saying, I've got your help. You don't have to go this alone. I've got people reserved. What happens is the enemy wants to make it think like we're the only ones that have gone through this or have experienced this. And so we begin to kind of lock up and we go into hiding. And God's trying to call us out of hiding as a church for us so that we can experience his freedom so that then we can go share his freedom with others. And when we deny we have stuff, what happens is we go into hiding. It's a circle. It's the same thing with Adam and Eve. They sinned. First of all, they went into to shame. They were ashamed. They realized they were naked. Oh, no. So then they went into hiding. And then they went back into, oh, we'll pretend. And what happens in church when we mess up? We'll go into hiding. Oh, nothing's wrong here. It's all good. We'll put our, our, our big smiles. How's it go? Great. Praise God. It's all good. No problems here. Woo. It's all good. Woo. Might have just had a knockdown drag out on the way here. But hey, it's all good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Look, the small groups, real quickly, there's three simple things that God wants to do. He needs us. He wants us. He wants us to connect, not just simply with him, but with each other as well, where we build each other up, where we, where we realize that, hey, I'm no better than you are. So small groups are a place where we, first and foremost, we can connect. Like, in the last few weeks, over the Christmas holidays, I had more calls of people that were alone. That people had battled being alone. And I'm not going to go into all that, but I'm just saying that we should never, as a church, be alone. To separate, to isolate ourselves. That's what the enemy wants. Y'all remember, anybody, I'm going to go back a few years, anybody remember Marlon Perkins? Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. As a kid, I couldn't stand it when I saw the little antelope on the plane. And the lion was creepy. I was like... Turn your head. He's going to get him. I, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. He's going to get that little guy. Stop. That's where I, as a kid, I couldn't, I knew what was coming. I'm like, uh-oh. Run. Run, little Lord. Run, little Lord. Go, quick. He's devoured. The same thing happens in our lives. When we try to go it alone, there's a roaring lion according to First Peter. And he's seeking people to devour. And if we don't come to the place where it says, hey, I just want to connect. I've got problems too. We can walk this and talk this out together to where we don't have to go it alone so that we don't think the same thoughts that Elijah did. Just just take my life, God. It'd be better for me not to be here. That's never the case. So it's a place we connect. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says this. "When When I'm with those who are weak, Paul's talking. He says, I share their weaknesses. I don't tell them how strong I am. I tell them how weak. Hey, I've gone through some stuff myself. I share their weaknesses for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, to try to find common ground with everyone. Everyone. Like small groups are not just for the church. It's for people outside the church as well. You can invite other people into your small groups. It goes and say, common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. 
That's all it's about, bringing people in, bringing, connecting. The second thing small groups does is a place where we protect each other. Now, I know some of you have the John Wayne mentality, have the Clint Eastwood mentality, have the Superman mentality, have that, you know, I got this. I don't need it. I'm I'm a lone ranger, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You can go it alone, but you and I both know that's not a place. We all have places we need. I need you and you need me. We all need each other to help protect us. I don't see things all in my life and I need people to help me so I don't just go wandering around doing crazy things and, hey, hey, Mark, how are you doing? Hey, look here, look here. How are you doing? That people actually care about me. This past week when I got diagnosed with strep, I had many of you that were telling, hey, are you okay praying for him? I'm like, yeah, do that. Please do that. It was good. I didn't go and say, no, I'm fine. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm like, no, I'll take everything. I'm, I'm, I want my throat better. I, I don't want that. So thank you. So we protect you. The first John 3.16 says this. First John, not John 3.16, the gospel. This is the letter wrote to Asia Minor. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave us, gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives. For our brothers and sisters. That I lay down my pride. I lay down that I'm so bad. I'm no better than you are. You're no better than I am. We all have this condition called humanity. Matter of fact, God only uses fallible people. Because there's only been one infallible person. And that's Jesus. So we have to recognize that. So our third thing is this. Oh, Galatians, I'm sorry. Galatians 6, 2 and 3 says it this way. Paul writing to the church of Galatia. It says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. I'm not that important. As pastor, there's no length I won't go to to help somebody. doesn't matter who, what, where, when. I will go. I don't use this as a position to try to elevate. And that's what Elijah, Elijah had no position. He had no money. He had nothing that would, would, would warrant the, the children of Israel, the king of Ahab, to listen to him. But he did have one thing. He had the life of God. He had the power of God operating in his life. And that's what it, it drew him to help people, not to hurt. And so small groups, the final thing, are a place where we grow together. So it's a place we connect. It's a place we protect. And it's a place, this is the only way we grow. We, when we're going through a hard time, I want somebody locked up next to me. And let's walk this out together. It, it's... It's a powerful thing. Probably it's played out more in sports when you watch sports teams because not one person can do it all. Like if you put, you can take the greatest quarterback of all time, stick him on a field with 12 other people against him, hike it to himself. Oh, I just get tore up every time. It, it, in, in any sport, you look at it. That's, that's one of those things that you, not any. I know tennis is a loner and stuff, but they have people help themselves. So it's a place we grow together. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, look what it says, so a friend sharpens a friend. I'm not trying to hurt, I mean, a friend says they, they love at all times. And so it's like friends coming together to help walk this out. And so I love what Acts 2, 46 and 47 says, every day... Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Like just excited about what God was doing in their midst. And as a result of it, um, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their numbers weekly, monthly, yearly, daily, those who were being saved. That means connected, set apart, set free. And so I challenged us this morning. I, I, I thought, man, what better way to communicate with a church that uh, we need to stand by each other, that we don't need to go this alone, that many people feel like in a church, it should never be where you're alone. When the church gets it, that we're supposed to stand by each other and stand with each other. Not I, The enemy can, has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He can only do that if he isolates us to ourselves. But if we'll allow ourselves to group up and say, hey, like I said, this setting is a great setting to start it. But small groups is a place where we can really get connected and say, man, I'm here for you. You're going to, I want to walk through with you. We don't just go through the good times. We go through the bad through all the time together. Praise the Lord. If you raise your hands to the Lord, I want to bless you. But I do want to let you know this. There'll be people, I know this morning... As I was as I was preparing for this message, there are people in this sanctuary right now that have gone through some very rough times. I know that, where it felt like you were all alone, and that nobody understood a thing you were going through, and you had those thoughts. You had the thoughts that I'd be better off by myself. It'd be better if I just go ahead, Lord, take my life. I, I want it to be over. And that's never God's intention. So we'll have people here to pray with you. I'll be here to pray with you. So when I bless you at the end of the, at, right now in just a minute, if you need prayer, there will be people down here to pray with you and pray for you. For the things you're battling, you don't have to go that alone. Father God, you're the creator of the universe. You're the one who's commanded blessing to be spoken over your people where your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.